running is such a passion for me and such a source of joy. It's it's really my way of kind of experiencing life, I guess, but also a way of exploring the world. Um, and so I really look at it from that lens and I'm I'm always interested in new ways of exploring either the planet or my own capabilities or, you know, bringing other people along with me who maybe haven't done something as long or as verdi or whatever. Um, And and that kind of was what drew me to trail running in the first place. That's Ladia Albertson-Junkins, and this is episode 37 of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and this week on the show, I've got Ladia Albertson-Junkins. Ladia is a trail and ultra runner from Western Washington. In fact, Ladia is just a great runner from Western Washington. She is a former cross-country All-American at the University of Minnesota. She has made a U.S. team for mountain running, and she is a sub-245 marathoner qualifying for the U.S. Olympic trials in 2020. Ladia was in the Bay Area this past weekend for what was supposed to be the North Face Endurance Challenge Championships, which would have been her 50-mile debut, but those were canceled. We had a chance to sit down. We covered all kinds of stuff. We talked about North Face and her training for it. We got into her career as an athlete, how she got into the sport through her time at the University of Minnesota and what she has been up to from a competitive standpoint since she graduated. We talked about her sense of adventure, how she got into ultra running, why cross country was so meaningful to her and the team aspect of that and how that is still important to her in her life today. We talked about training and being self-coached and how she is able to manage that as she tries new things in running. Talked about the importance of versatility, why she likes to race over so many different disciplines, uh, the importance of trusting yourself, and so, so much more. This was a great conversation. I really think you'll enjoy it. So I'm going to stop right there. Uh, Some of you can sit back and relax, listen to this podcast. Others of you can tune in while you're out on your morning run or you're banging away on the treadmill. Whatever it is that you like to do when you're listening to the show, go and do it. But without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ladia Albertson-Junkins. Ladia Albertson-Junkins, welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Hey, Mario. Thanks so much for having me. So originally, North Face Endurance Challenge Championships were to take place tomorrow, just north of here in the Marin Headlands. But looking outside from where we sit, obviously very smoky skies. The race has been canceled. Everything has been canceled in this area um, throughout the end of the weekend, at least, if not into next week. But you decided to come down anyway. I kept your trip going. So talk to me a little bit about the cancellation of the race and what your initial thoughts were when you first heard the news. Yeah. Well, when I first saw news about the wildfires, um, I almost immediately was starting to hope that they were going to cancel the race. Um, just with the level of devastation and all of the lives that were being changed really forever in a very dramatic way. And, um, and also the lives lost, um, it, I think I, I just personally felt like it, it wasn't the the right time to be having this great celebration of um, trail running. Um, and then it became even more clear, I think, over the course of 
those couple of days that things were just getting dramatically worse. Um, so I was, I was really proud of the North Face for making the call that they did and even more proud that they donated the prize purse, all $30,000 of the prize purse. They, they set up a donation drop-off at the packet pickup. Um, they donated the supplies and provisions from the race to the first responders and evacuees. And I just think that that is far and above more important and the most immediate, um, the most immediate need at, at this time. And um, I'm just really proud of the trail community in general, how they have responded to this. Um, just seen a lot of really thoughtful things online um, and a lot of people rallying support and doing what they can to support the relief efforts. Um, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation on a number of levels, certainly for those who are directly affected by the fires who've lost literally everything. They've lost lives, they've lost homes, they've lost pets, they've lost entire communities in some cases. And here in the Bay where I live, um, you know, we are not directly affected by the fires, but obviously the air quality here, you know, is poor and it's not safe to go outside. And I think just given the entirety of this situation and keeping all of this stuff in context, I mean, hats off to the North Face for the way that they handled it. It's really exemplary that they were able to do it early on in the week um, because people do travel in for this race. So they had some time to change their travel if that's something that they wanted to do. But then the way they got their communication across and, as you said, donating race t-shirts and food uh, to volunteers and then the prize money to relief funds really, I think, set the standard high and is just what this community is all about, like you said. Uh, and is, it's about selflessness and helping other people out. And um, I'd love to see a good race this weekend as well. But at the same time, given the situation, the way that they handled it um, is, you know, I think is really impressive and they should be commended for that. I completely agree. Yeah. And as an athlete, I really appreciated their timely and upfront communication about where they were at in the decision-making process and kind of setting a deadline for themselves. Cause you're exactly right. I mean, some people did change their travel plans or looked for other races um, and just maybe canceled their flights in because, you know, they know that it's not necessarily helping the situation to bring more bodies into a place that's really struggling with air quality. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm, I really, really admire their decision and the way they went about it. So how will you spend your weekend now that you're here? Well, now I get to spend my weekend with my closest friends, which is a big win for me. Um, and I hate to say it, I'm, I don't even feel that much disappointment about not racing because now I feel like I just get more time with my friends. Um, we're heading up to Tahoe now because of the air quality here in San Francisco. And yeah, it'll just be a great weekend. Yeah. And I think we should name those friends. It's Gabe and Justin Grunewald. I coach Justin. Yep. You ran with Gabe uh, in college and you guys are our best of friends. And Justin was supposed to race this weekend yeah, exactly. as well. So now you guys are going to go to Tahoe, have a nice little, you know, friendly rendezvous run on the trails up there. So we'll still be a memorable weekend. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we get to see our good friends, Mal and Mike, who live here in San Francisco. And Mal ran with us at the University of Minnesota as well. And they... Both Mal and Mike actually just did Twin Cities Marathon this fall. Um, so we'll get some running in up there, but be pretty casual about it and mostly just spend time together. Yeah. Let's peel things back a little bit. This was to be your 50-mile debut, probably, arguably, the most competitive 50-miler in this country. Prior to the cancellation, what were your thoughts heading into 
the race and your debut at this distance? I was really excited to toe the line with so many other strong women who I've looked up to and who I really, really admire. Um, it that that level of competition just really excites me because of the opportunity to really pull one another along and do something really special on that day, whether it's me having a special race or any of those 20 plus women who could win on any given day, um, having a really special day and knowing that more, more often than not, all of us were going to feel really proud of whatever happened and feel really rewarded by the experience. Um, so I was really looking forward to that. And even more than just pushing ourselves together, I was really looking forward to getting to know some of those women a little bit better. Um, I haven't even had a chance to meet some of them yet in person. Um, and I was looking forward to that opportunity, whether it's just at the start line or, you know, a couple minutes here and there when you're passing each other, maybe at an aid station, checking in. Um, but what's so wonderful about ultra running and these longer races where you're out there for hours on end is that you almost always make a new friend or a couple new friends out there along the way. Um, and in, in many cases, you know, you might end up spending a couple hours with, sure. with people. And I just, that's something that I really enjoy about racing. And I was really looking forward to that. Do you know at this point where you will go from here since this race did get canceled? Will you try to find a place to, use your fitness or will you shut things down for the year and just channel it into 2019? What are your thoughts on that at this point? I've thought a little bit about that this week. Um, to be honest, I've just been pretty busy at work and thinking about other things, but I, I at this point, I, I think I'm probably not going to look for another race. Most likely. Um, my birthday is next weekend on the 25th and it almost always coincides with sort of a break in my running. And so I don't often get to do, or I don't often do anything particularly adventurous. So now I feel like I have this opportunity to do something a little bit more special and above and beyond for my birthday. And I've told my husband, Adam, that I'd love to run my age, which I'll be 33. So maybe we'll do some big mountain adventure that day. Um, and you know, it's helpful to be fit going into a big day in the mountains like that. Um, other than that, I am signed up for Bandera hundred K and we are actually taking our very belated honeymoon to New Zealand, um, the second half of December. So right before Bandera, we expect to get a lot of running in just because that's how we like to spend our time. I won't probably be doing too much formal training while we're over there, but I did want to get in some sort of a, a down period, some sort of a break before we went to New Zealand, just so that I could be ready to go and be able to run as much as we wanted to while we're there. And then also kind of a, a an abbreviated buildup for Bandera. So most likely I won't race until Bandera. I love the sense of adventure that you bring to all of this. Like you're not afraid to compete and mix it up at the highest levels, but even when a curveball like this gets thrown in your way, you still see opportunity for adventure coming out of this. And then, you know, even leading up to this next big race, which is on your agenda, just this sense of adventure to, you know, explore ahead of what is going to be a pretty major competition. Where does that sense of adventure come from? That's a really good question. I think foundationally it comes from the fact that 
running is such a passion for me and such a source of joy. It's it's really my way of kind of experiencing life, I guess, but also a way of exploring the world. Um, and so I really look at it from that lens and I'm I'm always interested in new ways of exploring either the planet or my own capabilities or, you know, bringing other people along with me who maybe haven't done something as long or as verdy or whatever. Um, And and that kind of was what drew me to trail running in the first place. Um, I started getting into some road racing after college because I just liked the way that running made me feel and it became an important part of my daily, weekly routine, especially as I was getting more into a routine with work and holding down a full-time job and I needed some outlet and running became that for me. And I naturally with consistency started to improve in my, in my times and had some great race opportunities. And I really enjoyed where running took me for races as a chance to meet new people and see new places that I wouldn't otherwise go. And at the same time, I was also wanting to spend more time in the mountains. But at that point, I didn't really see a connection between my running and the mountains in the same, like, I sort of felt like if I wanted to be racing, I needed to be on the road doing that. Um, But the more time I was spending in the mountains, and especially early on, I was spending some time with people who rock climbed and I wasn't as much into the rock climbing, but I loved the excuse to be out in the alpine and experience these new areas. And so I would run to the crag, you know, and I'd try to get some of my buddies to go with me. And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And, you know, in between climbs, I would kind of do some, some trail running and that sort of evolved into, oh, well, maybe I'll look for a race. And one thing led to another. And I just really found that that fit kind of my the things that were important to me about running fit in really well with trail running. So you're able to merge this competitive background that you had with this sense of adventure that you were starting to explore at this point of your life and put the two together. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. Hey, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this episode. It is Inside Tracker. You're committed to being your best as an athlete. You want more energy, better sleep, longevity, and improved overall health. Maybe you've tried out a diet that you've read about online or taken a few supplements that you heard are important for runners. Well, it's time to stop guessing and to start improving. Inside Tracker is committed to helping you get there using science and technology. Their cutting-edge algorithmic engine will analyze your blood, nutrition, and lifestyle habits and guide you to your goals with actionable and personalized recommendations. Everybody is unique. You personalize your training, so why not personalize your diet and supplementation routine? Inside Tracker tells you the best foods and supplements to add to your current routine, why you need it, and at what frequency. Track your progress and adjust based on real feedback from your body. I've used Inside Tracker myself. It's a great service, and I think you should definitely take advantage of it. And you can take advantage of it with their best deal of the year. Uh, special opportunity just for Morning Shakeout listeners. If you use the code Morning Shakeout, that's Morning Shakeout. Know the all one word, you'll get $200 off of their ultimate plan from now until the end of November, only at InsideTracker.com. That's Morning Shakeout, all one word, at InsideTracker.com. 
insidetracker.com for $200 off their ultimate plan. My thanks to Inside Tracker for their support of the morning shakeout. Now let's get back to the show. So let's dig into your running background a little bit. This was to be your first 50-mile race. You just mentioned you are going to run Bandera next, which is 100 Okay, so you're moving up in distance. Things are things are trending up, and your ultra running experience isn't really all that vast. I know you ran way too cool earlier this year because I was there to watch it, and then I know you ran um, Chuckanut prior to that because you raced with one of my athletes, Eo, who was on this podcast um, earlier this year. So let's talk about that you know, how you got there, like into ultra running. Um, and you just got into it a little bit, but what was that initial attraction to want to explore this distance beyond the marathon? Yeah. Um, I guess backtracking to about five years ago, as I was really wanting to spend more time in the mountains, um, living in Minnesota at the time and, really taking every chance that I had to take a quick flight out to Colorado so I could spend the weekend there in the mountains and then fly back in time for work on Monday morning. And I was doing that fairly regularly and also recognizing the toll that it was taking on me. Um, I just felt like that lifestyle wasn't going to be sustainable long-term. Those aren't quick trips. No, they're not. And I, I just, you know, definitely interfering with sleep and financially it also wasn't going to be sustainable long-term. And so I started thinking about, well, maybe it's worth trying to live closer to the mountains. And thankfully I was able to, um, make a strong enough case to my boyfriend at the time, now husband. Um, and so we made the move out to Western Washington where both of our only siblings we're living at the time, my sister in Seattle, his sister up in Mount Vernon. Um, so it seemed like a very serendipitous fit for us, um, close to mountains, close to family. We knew some people there, so we weren't going in completely without a social network. And as soon as we moved there, we started exploring the trails, the mountains. Um, we were really fortunate to meet some really awesome people very early on, including Caitlin Gerben who is a, a beast on the trail scene. She was second at Western States last year, fourth the year before that, um, 10th in the world at 50-mile um, world championships this past year. Just incredible runner and really awesome person. Um, definitely one of my closest friends in Western Washington. And she's also incredibly adventurous and always looking for new ways to challenge herself. She and her husband just get out every weekend, you know, they're mountaineering, they're, they're backcountry touring, they're going on 40 plus mile weekend trips, fast packing. Um, and so when you start hanging out with Caitlin Gerben, you're probably starts to rub off on you. Exactly. And at some point you're going to do something that totally blows your own mind. And the first summer we were out in Washington, Caitlin and a couple of our other friends, we had this idea of running around Mount Hood, um, which is the Timberline Trail. And that's a fairly popular trail for trail runners, especially ultra runners. Um, so we did that on a Saturday. And then, and that was the furthest I had ever run. It's about 45, 41, 45. I think it was 45 the way that we did it. I don't know if that's the true distance, but 
It was the longest run I had ever done. Um, Is that your first ultra without it being an official ultra? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And we made sure to do a little dance at mile 26.2 to uh, celebrate my longest. Well, it's pretty amazing when you hit that point, whether it's in a race or in a run, just like this. I remember my first 50K at Way Too Cool in 2014, you come over what's called Goat Hill. And that is the marathon mark, more or less, at the top. And then you start going down and you're in, or at least in my case, I was in uncharted territory. And I didn't do a little dance at the time. I was too shattered to do so. But I had, I did have that little thought like, okay, now I'm, I've entered I've entered the unknown. Let's exactly. See, let's see what the, you know, the rest what's of this is What's on the other like. side. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after that run... We were so stoked that we decided, okay, well, how about tomorrow we run around Mount St. Helens, which is about 31 miles around and really interesting terrain. It's a beautiful trail, the Lewitt Trail. Um, So you just did a 75-mile weekend? Yeah, which I don't even (laughs) run 75-mile weeks typically, and especially at that time I wasn't. um, But it was so much fun, and I just, I mean, I was hooked. I think I was hooked probably before that, but that really sealed the deal for me and showed me that it was possible too. Well, and that's that adventurous spirit that you were alluding to earlier because these weren't even races. This had nothing to do with being a competitive pursuit at the time. Yeah. When did that first come into the picture? Uh, And I should hit pause here because you do have a very competitive running background, which we will get into. But when did you first start thinking about taking the leap into racing these long distances? Yeah, kind of what you had said earlier, blending the adventure with the competition. Um, It was probably just shortly after that 75 mile weekend, actually, Um, you know, it was starting racing season was start or Caitlin was starting to think about racing season. And so I started having more exposure to what the classic races were in the Washington area, Chuckanut being one of them for sure. And it really was, Caitlin's encouragement to, why don't you try a 50K? And now that I had run around two volcanoes in two days, that seemed much more feasible. You know, before that, it just would have blown my mind. Running 31 miles, I can barely conceive of running 26. Um, So I was excited about that and about trying something different, um, knowing that it was going to be a long dis. It, it was going to be my first time trying to sustain a pretty high effort level for a, a distance that felt pretty overwhelming to me at the time. Sure. Um, but I was excited about taking on that challenge and seeing what happened. How did that? Well, I know how the first 50K went. You won it, spoiler. Uh, but take me through the race itself. What was it like to race for 31 miles against a competitive field? Yeah. Um, well, I pretty much made every mistake that everyone told me not to make leading up to the race. The first one being, be- so the way Chuckanut is set up, set up is the first 10k are really flat on this nice crushed gravel trail and then the middle 18 is where you're getting a lot of your climbing some more technical terrain there are sections that are really runnable but then there are other sections where you're probably going to want a power hike and then it ends with another really flat 10k on crushed gravel and so it can be a really fast race if you're smart about how you manage your effort and I synced up with EO pretty quickly um, or early on in the race. And again, 
<clears throat> kind of what I had talked about earlier, just I love getting to know people, <clears throat> especially in a race setting. And with ultras, you're not starting off, you know, with your foot on the gas pedal. So you have some ability to have some conversation or, you know, really at least, yeah, get to know someone a little bit on, on a very maybe high level. Um, and so we were chatting the first 10 K and I noticed that the pace was brisker than I had wanted in my head when I had thought about what my strategy was going to be. Um, and, but that was fine because to me it was worthwhile to be hanging out with EO and we had a great time. And then we, we hit the first climb and I really love to climb and I think I'm a pretty strong climber. And so instead of sort of backing off the climb, I just did what felt right for me in the moment. And I think with the faster start, you know, that probably caught up with me a little bit faster than it would have otherwise. And then also being my first racing race style ultra, I really didn't have the fueling dialed in very well. Caitlin had given me the advice to take one gel every 30 minutes and I started doing that and then my stomach just got upset and not really understanding that that's pretty normal for your stomach to react that way and you got to just push through it. I then backed off and stopped fueling. So I, I bonked probably with a third of the race remaining. So I went out too fast. I didn't fuel consistently enough. And so the last 10 K felt like I was moving backwards through quicksand. But the racer in you came out when you hit that climb. Yeah. Instincts took over and you were like, this is my jam. I've got to go at this point. Yeah. And I think it just, I was just doing what felt right for me in the moment. Mm -hmm. And the pace felt comfortable enough. Um, plus I was naive, you know, I didn't know, which how, helps sometimes it does. Yeah. I didn't know how it was going to catch up with me. And part of me was like, well, if I totally bite the dust with this, then I learn a lesson. And I wasn't too concerned about that. Once the, the, the effects of, of a quick start caught up with me, I was like, Oh yeah, this is pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> at that point it's just hanging on from there. Were you hooked on ultra racing after that? I was. It was so much fun. And even more than just the course, I mean, getting to know EO, the volunteers and the energy at that race, it blew my mind. I had never experienced anything like that in a race setting on the road or in college at any point. And I just fell in love with it. And I mean, you bonking isn't even the right way to put it in an ultra because you, your spirits can be so uplifted by everyone else around you that it doesn't even matter that you're bonking. I mean, it's not like preferable, exactly, but, but you're still so inspired by what's going on around you that it's like, Oh yeah, I'm still having a blast. Like I'm going to get to that finish line. One thing I've been impressed with since I started following your I don't even want to call it ultra career because there's so much more to it than that, especially in this past like 12 months is your versatility. So you ran Chuckanut. Um, earlier this year, you ran way too cool, ran pretty quick, um, won that 50K. Not long after that, you ran the Silo District Marathon in Texas um, and got an Olympic Trials Marathon qualifier there. So you went back to the roads a little bit. Um, 
Do you embrace that versatility at this point of your career that you can go from ultras to roads and who knows, maybe even dip back into some cross country at some point? Or do you consider yourself an ultra runner now who occasionally just dabbles in other things? Oh, I'm all about the versatility. Yeah. And to add to that, after um, the Silo District Marathon in Waco, Texas, I did the Broken Arrow Sky Race and then Speed Goat, and which obviously are very different styles of 50K than Way Too Cool or Chuck a Nut. And that was exactly what I was looking for over my 2018 race calendar was challenging myself in new ways. Um, You know, I, I consider myself a strong climber, but you never know how you're going to react with altitude, especially given that I train and live at sea level. Um, but that really intrigued me and it really excited me to see what I could do in a sky race or a sky event. Um, and I love being able to go from the trail to the roads and I would love to do some cross country. And actually I will say I, I held back from doing some cross country races this fall because of the, the 50 mile race. And I, have been thinking, okay, well, now that I'm not racing the 50 mile, maybe I would jump in a, a cross country race, provided that I don't think I'll tear a hammy. That's kind of my <laughs> something, pull something, because I haven't done any speed work really. But yeah, I just, I love trying to do it all. How have you thought about your training since you first got into ultra racing? I've been really flexible with it. Um, I, wouldn't call my approach structured, but it's definitely dedicated. Um, I'm very dedicated to my daily run. It's, I mean, your conversation with Sanjay a couple weeks ago, um, on the podcast here that really resonated, you know, running as a celebration of life, running as prayer, running as your ritual, running as a way to connect with yourself. Those are all the reasons that I run on a, on a day-to-day level And I'm really committed to that. But I also recognize that with working a job that can be fairly demanding at times and that I'm also committed to and also committed to my family and making time for friends, that that, that's a lot of, um, I'm being pulled in a number of different directions. So I need a lot of flexibility and I need to be, I need to show myself grace and not feel super tied down to a, a rigid structure, at least at this point. And that's really how it's been for me the last three years, I would say, with my running. Are you self-coached? I am. And what do you draw your inspiration from when it comes to deciding when to do specific workouts or how to structure things as you're building up to a race? I draw from myself. Um, I really try to tune into how my body's feeling. And I think because of all my, I, you know, I started running in high school and then I ran through college and I ran on the roads after college and I was with 
a more structured group for about 18 months after college. So I, I do have background or I, I've been coached by really good coaches in the past who also set me up to be self-sufficient to a degree in my running. And so I recognize that at times I need to push myself and at times I need to back off. And I think the diff, so my training probably really isn't very different than someone who has sort of a structured program. Maybe the biggest difference is that I don't plan anything out. I mean, I know roughly what I want to achieve over a seven day period. You know, I want a long run. I want maybe one harder, longer effort, but it doesn't matter what day those happen or, you know, where they happen or to what degree they happen. But you've really learned just to listen to yourself and even beyond that, just trust yourself, especially since you are the one who is designing your program, even if it's sort of on the fly. How important is it for an athlete, whether they are self-coached or not, to trust themselves? I've learned that for, for me, and I think it probably goes for a lot of people, that it's the most important part. And I think part of the reason that I have stayed self-coached is because I really value that and I want to keep working on it. And being self-coached really forces me to. I I want to get to a point where I can listen to myself while also having a coach and a structured training program. I learned after college that, I mean, I already knew that I was a people pleaser and I am afraid of disappointing people that matter to me and a coach being one of them. And so I would oftentimes make decisions with my training more out of the desire to please my coach than because it was really what was best for me in the moment. And so I had to make a big change in in my environment to kind of work on that for me. And I think a lot of people can figure that out, figure out that balance as they go with a coach. And for me, it just took kind of stepping away from it to really work on it. Let's go back even further. You had just mentioned how you started running in high school. What was your introduction to the sport? I went out for the cross-country team my eighth grade year and had a blast. It was with the middle school. And then actually going into ninth grade, I wanted to play for the varsity soccer team at our high school. I didn't make the team, which was the best thing that's ever happened to me probably. Um, And so instead I went out for cross-country and... I mean, really just fell in love with it pretty immediately. Um, so I ran throughout high school and and then I ran at the University of Minnesota with Gary Wilson. When were you first aware that you had some talent in running? Very early on, I would say. Um, I think the only reason I made soccer and basketball teams early in my life was because I was a really hard worker and I was really fast and I loved to run. So I was the kid that would run the entire game and never need a sub. And every team needs a couple of those kids. I wasn't particularly talented with, you know, a soccer ball or shooting or anything like that, but I hustled and I could run forever. And so I think once I tried cross country and realized, oh, wow, this is what I was always good at. And this is why I loved soccer. And now I don't have to worry about this ball that stresses me out. (laughs) Um, And so I I did have success pretty early, like almost immediately. Um, And 
So I, I was lucky in that regard too, because I got positive feedback from that success. And cross country in particular was kind of your jam. You were an All-American in college and arguably have been able to translate that now to the trails and spread it out over longer distances. What is it about cross country in particular? And you've got a big smile on your face as I ask this question that you love. First and foremost, the team aspect. Um, and then secondary, the, the sense of adventure, you know, it's, it's about as close to trail running and exploring your environment as you can get on a golf course. Um, but the team, the team aspect far and away, best part of cross country. And what have been some of the biggest lessons that cross country has taught you through the years that you've been able to carry with you today? Um, it's a really great question. I, I keep coming back to this in trail running now, and it's this sense of how we're so much, we're, we're capable of so much more together than we are alone. Um, and I think the best example of that and where that really hit home for me was in college, my stepdad passed away and my biological dad had passed away 10 years earlier. And so the death of my stepdad just really hit me really hard. And I fell into this really deep depression of grief. And um, my teammates were there for me the whole way through. I mean, I was a shell of myself. I wasn't who I think that I am today by any means. Um, And coming out of that tunnel of grief and realizing that they were still there for me and that they were there for me the whole time, waiting for me whenever I was ready to come back. Um, And same with coach Gary Wilson, which is why he and I have such a a strong relationship still to this day. Um, You know, that really embodies the power of team that I think plays out every day on a cross country course, Um, whether it's in the race or in practice and you've got your 2K repeats and you know, maybe you've been really stressed out about work or school or family or whatever's been on your mind, um, but you step onto that that course and you're surrounded by 10, 20 women who you respect and who respect you back, and all of that kind of goes away for a little while, and the way you come together to help each other through the challenge of a 2K, which comparatively is trivial and, you know, but it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn how to overcome the cha- the physical challenge together and not just on your own, but together. Let's pull on that a little bit. You're not on a cross country team anymore, but you still have a team who makes up your team today that you draw that strength from at this point of your life. I'm really lucky that in the Western Washington area, I've gotten to know some really awesome women who have been trail running for years. Some of them have been living in that area for years. Some are newer to the area, but we've really come together and found each other and shared those early morning runs. And I feel like I'm part of a team just because I have 
so many women that I can call on on any day and say, hey, you want to go for a five-mile run at Tiger Mountain? And so, you know, it's people like Caitlin Gerben, my good friend Elizabeth Carey, um, our friend Celia, has she started up a, a morning running group on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so that's pulled in new people that I hadn't met before. And now it just feels like the group continues to grow. And it's so exciting to me. And I just love it. And that is that is what I really live for. And that's happening on a very local level where you live in in Western Washington, which is amazing. How important is it for that sort of thing to spread? Um, let's say in trail and ultra running, but just in in general, especially for women. Um, and I ask that because in recent months, there's been a lot made about participation numbers for females in trail and ultra racing and how it drops and there's less opportunities and all of that. So it's my long-winded way of asking, like, what more can be done to create those types of environments and how important are those environments for the furtherment of the sport? They're of the utmost importance for the furtherment of the sport, for sure. And I mean, that's how I got into ultra running is because I met Caitlin and a couple other friends who were really spirited about it and who showed me that it was possible. And I think that's the biggest thing. And you have to have people who are willing to show you it's possible. And that happens through these connections that we make. And I think within our little local group that we have, it's been so fun to see people surprise themselves. Like Celia did um, the Broken Arrow race, and she was a little bit disappointed with her performance there. But then this past fall, she did another race down in Oregon, and she won. And it was the first race she had ever won. And just the the fitness gains from, you know, these regular Tuesday, Thursday runs that then turned into Saturday, Sunday runs. And I think just her sense of excitement and belonging in the sport um, really grew from those small group runs. And maybe it's only one or two other people that you're meeting with. But you feed off each other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that really drives everyone. Definitely. Um, going back to your trajectory as a runner, you graduate from the University of Minnesota. You're an All-American cross country. Where were you at at that time with your own competitive career? How were you thinking about the role that running played in your life at the time? Well, to be honest, I was ready for a break, a mental break from the rigor of training and the competition. And so I, I gave myself that break. But then as I, you know, as my job became more stable and I kind of adjusted to a new lifestyle, I, I could tell that something was missing and I started running a little bit more and more consistently again. And it was clear that that's what was missing in my life. And that's probably when I realized the power of the daily run. And just for me, if I could make that happen, if I if I was lucky enough and had the privilege to be able to make a daily run happen, then I need to take advantage of that and not take that for granted. And I, you know, I, it makes me so happy to see other people discover that in their own life. And there are so many reasons that people can't do it. I mean, really that they can't. And so for me right now in my life that I'm able to do it, I just try to make the most of it. Had you ever thought about running in that way prior to that 
point of your life where it was something that you needed to be part of your daily life? Yeah, I think that became really clear to me um, when I was dealing with the the bereavement and and getting through my own depression and my own grief. That's when I I realized the therapeutic power of running, um, you know, as a supplement to therapy as well, because I I was also in therapy. But the the power of of running to really transform the way that I was seeing my day and then seeing my week and seeing my place in the world. And an interesting lesson that I learned along the way too was the more that running became a, the more that running became therapeutic for me, the harder it was for me to perform the way that I wanted to. Um, and I think in hindsight, that's, that's a good thing. Um, but at the time I felt really frustrated why I wasn't, you know, dropping the times that I did earlier in college. And, um, and in a way, maybe the frustration was a good outlet for my grief and my, my anger and those other, those other things. Um, but I, I really learned then that I, I needed running beyond just as a competitive outlet. And all else aside, do you think that is something you'll continue to remind yourself of for the rest of your life, regardless of where your competitive pursuits go? Definitely. Um, back to the competitive pursuits though. You have Bandera coming up. Uh, that is a Western States qualifying race. I can't imagine that was a coincidence in terms of choosing it. It is not a coincidence. No. Um, after Western States this past year, so Western States 2018, I decided I really wanted to take a stab at getting on that start line. And honestly, the biggest, if not only reason, because I still don't know how I feel about running 100 miles, but the reason that I want to is to give my friends the opportunity that Caitlin has given me the past two years to be a part of her Western States journey. I just have been so in awe of that entire weekend and all of the teamwork that it takes to get someone from Yeah, it point is not a solo pursuit no, by not, any stretch. No, I mean, it's more of a team sport than any team sport I've ever played and or even cross country. So I would love to, to pay that forward and give that to some, especially some of my friends in the Midwest who don't get to see these ultra races in person very often. Um, and I just think they'd get a huge kick out of it and maybe it would be as powerful for them as it has been for me. So what's really incredible about that, listening to you describe it, is that it represents this culmination of all the things that we just talked about. There's a sense of adventure, 100 miles, something you've never tackled before, going into the unknown and seeing how you come out the other side. This team aspect that you have taken from cross country, which is so important to you, um, and then taking that a step further, like when you moved to Western Washington and you fell in with this group of women who inspired you to try this stuff out, um, you can do the same now through your own pursuits. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I mean, you've summarized it perfectly. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. 
Well, we don't have a ton more time here because you guys have to get up to Lake Tahoe and I've got to get on the road as well. So I think we will cut the conversation there, but I'd love to have you back on at some point for a round two, especially as your career continues to evolve. Thank you so much, Mario. This was so much fun. And thank you to anyone listening for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. This was an enjoyable conversation. It's awesome. Thank you. And that's a wrap on this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to audio and leave a rating and a review. Only takes a minute, but helps other listeners to find the show, and it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much to those of you who have done so already. Also, a thank you to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. Inside Tracker is committed to helping you be your best, and they'll help you get there using science and technology. Their cutting edge algorithmic engine will analyze your blood, nutrition, and lifestyle habits and guide you to your goals with actionable and personalized recommendations. I've used Inside Tracker myself before my last couple marathons. I've had regular blood work done. They've made great recommendations for nutritional changes that I can make which are going to help me perform better, recover faster, and just be a better overall human being as well as a better athlete. Uh, Inside Tracker will tell you the best foods and supplements to add to your current routine, why you need them, and at what frequency. You can track your progress and adjust based on real feedback from your body. Take advantage of their best offer of the year with a special opportunity for Morning Shakeout listeners. That is you. Use the code MORNINGSHAKEOUT. That's Morning Shakeout, all one word, no the, for $200 off of their ultimate plan from now until the end of November at insidetracker.com. So go to insidetracker.com, choose the ultimate plan, use the code Morning Shakeout, all one word when you check out, and you will save 200 bucks. My thanks to Inside Tracker for supporting the Morning Shakeout podcast. That's all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Mm-hmm.